0: It's showtime, folks! It is episode four of Talkin' Talkies. As always, I am Dan, and joining me is this week's special guest. It's Chris O'Mealy. A special guest. I've been the
1: special guest four weeks running now. This
0: is awesome. I know, I I did that on PieCrest. I was like, special guest for this week, Mike. Maggle. (laughs) Maggle. Welcome to the PieCrest, Maggle. (laughs) Ha ha!
1: Alright, so let's, uh... Let's talk about The Crow. Yes, we watched 1994's The Crow. Yes. Uh, This was our first recommendation from a listener. Not bad for a four-week-old podcast. This was from my buddy Jason Shin. Now, if you're a regular listener of the Club Kayfabe podcast, the Rasslin' podcast that Dan and I do, you're already very familiar with Jason Shin. Uh, If you not, if you don't listen to that show... Jason Shin is one of the most unique friends that I have because he is a hardcore metalhead. I believe he is Wiccan. I know his girlfriend definitely is. If he is not, he's also bisexual. So he is the only like, and he's a total nerd too, like real no- nerd culture, Pokemon things like he's
0: that. A, he's also like the nerd, the nerd metalhead.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a bisexual nerdy metalhead who is Wiccan. He dresses <laughs> like, up like a bunny. Oh, he dresses up like a pirate and or bunny at the Renaissance Fair every year. Uh, but in reality, Jason Shin is a really, really close friend of mine. I've actually known him since the eighth grade, which was almost 20 years ago when I actually do the math in my head. And that's terrifying
0: to think about now.
1: It was definitely more than 15 years ago. But uh, Don't worry,
0: I'm at the point where I can talk about something and then I go, that was 30 years ago. Oh, that's great. Well, it's
1: it's it's kind of scary to be like, oh, that
0: only happened back
1: in, like, 2001, and you're like, yeah, 14 years ago. Ah, oh, shit. Well.
0: There you go. That only happened in 2001, and then you realize it happened in 1996. Yeah. <laughs> that, that did happen. I think that has
1: happened before. I'm like, oh, that was a while ago. That had to be, like, 2000, 2001. Uh, 95. Oh. Well. <laughs> my years you. are wrong. But, but uh, we're going to go back to 1994 for The
0: Crow. Just, I believe this is our third movie that, that was happening in 1994. Well, we 1994 watched.
1: was a very good year for movies, apparently. No, Lebowski and Fear and Loathing were both 98. Okay, so
0: we've done two years
1: so far. We're only in the 90s, though. We gotta, we're gotta we going to branch. Well, we're doing uh, Mel <laughs> Brooksuary. It's going
0: to be like 60s and 70s. Games. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, Mel Brooksuary is the, the next plan. Yes. Um but yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the crow, based on a comic book. Uh, the basic plot line of the story is that Eric Draven and his girlfriend are brutally murdered on Devil's Night, which is Detroit slang for the night before Halloween when all hell breaks loose. And this isn't your typical mischief night. Like the small town kids like me where we toilet papered trees and silly string mailboxes. No, this is, we're lighting shit on fire because we're Detroit and we don't care. It's like the most Detroit way of doing things right there. Um, Brutally murdered by four gang members, um, one of which drew blood and three of them actually raped his girlfriend before killing him. So, you know, this is a family film to bring the kids to watch the crow. Uh, The significance of the crow itself is that crows are said to carry the souls of the departed to the land of the dead. But sometimes, if there are wrongs that need to be righted, the crows will bring the souls back to right those wrongs. And the story takes place one year after the brutal murders when Eric Draven rises from the grave and sets out in an awesome revenge story
0: i would like to thank jason shin because i never seen this movie and i never really planned to because i didn't really care but i really enjoyed this
1: yes it was a very very good film um as i mentioned i do not remember the last time i'd seen it i know i've seen it but it's been so long ago i can't even put in (laughs) put a number to that you know i probably watched it back in like 2001 2002 but it was actually 1995. (laughs) <laughs> that's pr- probably how that worked out but uh, but yeah thank you Jason Shin for that recommendation because um, even though I had seen it it was not one of those movies that I'm like going out of my way to want to watch again and this was it was really cool to sit down and watch this movie and a lot you know there was there were some scenes where I was like oh yeah I totally remember that happening but a lot of the movie was kind of new to me because it's been that long so it was really cool I really really enjoyed it and yes, thank you big time to Jason Shin for that recommendation.
0: Well, I really liked about this movie is there's no extra exposition, there's no extra anything really. It goes, the the movie starts, the murders already happened. Right. We get it in flashback sequences here and there. We see what happened. Yeah, but, like but at, like any time he
1: touches something that will bring him back to that moment, he gets another
0: memory. Yeah. So. And I kind of liked it, because the movie was just like, no, we're not going to spend a half hour setting up stuff. We're going to set it up while we're doing it. And they did it pretty well. Do you notice how the black guy died first? Yeah, well, he killed him in order of the of, of the yes. raping and stuff, so... <laughs> well, <laughs> black guy went first, so... Well, he started
1: first, but the other guy was like, no, me first. <laughs> no, me first. Oh, all right, well, you'll be next? Who's next? Um, but what's also kinda cool about this is even though he's only taking out like a, a, a small yeah, small a small group of thugs, he also ends up basically destroying all the the entire crime syndicate of Detroit in the process. Because uh, Winston Zedmore <laughs> is this him out there as the police officer. Yes, Ernie Hudson playing a police officer who is investigating all these crimes, and he's actually he kind of uh, well. He learns what Draven's secret is—that he's actually immortal. Which there's too much irony there to talk about for now. We'll save that for later. <laughs> I know, I know. It's that's like the big story about this movie. But um, the other side story is um, his girlfriend's little sister, Sarah. I believe her name is not. It's is
0: not her little sister.
1: Not her little. Uh, there's a relation though
0: somehow. I don't even know if it's right. that, that's true or not. Yeah, but uh, it's just a young girl whose mother is a crack whore. So they look after. her. Yeah, Well
1: he kind of he also uh, one of the murders that he does is one of the thugs, and he's in the middle of being with the crack whore. And he kind of he literally takes the heroin out of her vein or the morphine, and he's like, "This is bad for you. You suck. Go take care of your daughter." That
0: mother is the name <laughs> of God to most children. <laughs> yep. I mean, this is the thing I saw: is that half of the lines in this movie are quotes from you know other yeah, movies or books yeah, like stuff. the majority of
1: Eric Draven's lines are all quotes from something. You know, it can't rain all the time.
0: And of course, there's the um, he does the the Raven when he comes to the the shop. <laughs> He's yeah. quoting the Raven. Yep, Rosa tapping at my door.
1: Uh, yeah, the shop owner. That's actually kind of funny. The guy gets out just in time. He's like, "You tried to blow my face off." The angry, angry Mario look-alike.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh no! It's the fire flower. But um, oh. yeah, he he successfully. Spoiler alert. He successfully kills off the four guys who wronged him but he does not stop there cuz he gets involved with top dollar who is the like the crime boss of the city and his uh his sister they don't really establish he, that he enough he says
0: it's his sister sister
1: which is just creepy creepy gothic asian girl and then uh freaking tony todd yeah <laughs>
0: It's like his right hand. It's like
1: freaking. I know he looks like Morpheus. Um, the uh, it, it's it's got the big unraveling where like you feel like everything is gonna be peaceful, and then they have the big false finish where it's like, "Lol, no, it's not," because the little girl just got kidnapped. So he goes and he finishes off the final, the final boss, and uh, Top Dollar's death is actually pretty gruesome, but I laughed. <laughs>
0: you could it's another early nineties movie where the bad guy dies from falling. It yeah. was like the big thing, right? It was in it's in Batman, it's in Dick Tracy, it's in one of the Ninja Turtles movies, it's Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> oh,
1: bad guy dies from I mean, falling. I mean hell, it's you go back even further. It's even in Die Hard. So uh, That's how that's how the story kind of unravels there with the big The big falsy at the end, but uh, those those are actually pretty gruesome, especially when they discover that the crow is the symbol of his power, and that's why he's immortal, that's why he can recover immediately. So they go to shoot the crow, but they don't actually kill it, and then the crow gets his revenge and takes out the Asian girl's eyes. And then she falls down. And then she falls and dies right in front of the little girl who will now have nightmares forever
0: as if she has had a bad enough childhood so far. <laughs> yeah. And I like how
1: she's like the prototypical like grunge child.
0: It's like it's like it's more like surfing than skating. <laughs> uh, but
1: uh Eric Draven at the end returns to his own gravesite and his fiance comes back and kind of whisks him back to the spirit world with her. So you kind of get, like, the happy ending right
0: there. He has avenged her, and they can yeah. now be together in paradise, or whatever you want. To... There was no ending!
1: <laughs> eh, there was an ending. But idiots will be like... You know, if you're if you're an idiot, I wouldn't watch this movie. <laughs> but yeah. Um... Really, really good stuff all around, definitely. Um, I mean, it's hard to say it's, like, the favorite movie that we've watched because we did watch Shawshank and Big Lebowski, and I don't know if I could put The Crow above them on that list, and it's just like, well, great, now it's, like, third out of fourth. That just sucks. But, no, it's a a really good film. I love this recommendation. I'm, I'm a big fan of the gothic scenery that they use, too, the movie was... I think they said it was supposed to be shot in black and white, but they decided not to. And they went with... Uh, so they went with like the more like the black and red and gray color scheme. So they still had a little bit of color in there, but they still achieved the gothic setting. That's exactly what it was. It looked gothic. It didn't look like Detroit at all, well, but I know I mean, it's, it's in was, Detroit. It's,
0: you, you do most of your shots in an, in an old warehouse. Uh a church, a graveyard, and a destroyed building. It's going to look like that anyway. (laughs) So... Yeah. Yep.
1: But, uh, you got any cool facts about the crow you'd like to share?
0: Yeah, TV, uh... We'll start with the money, I guess.
1: Yeah, let's let's just get it out of the way, because every... Um, for those of you who don't know, but you probably all know, if there's anything about The Crow that you already probably know, it's that this is a movie that Brandon Lee died making.
0: Alright, so before we get to that real quick, the, the money money, uh, cost $15 million to make, it made $50 million in the US, but about half of that was on video.
1: Yeah, a lot of these movies make a lot more success after the fact.
0: Uh, so now here we go, a whole bunch of facts about the death. Alright, the scene in question was the actual rape and murder scene. In a previous uh, scene, they, we have a close up of the gun. Uh, so, in, in that, they use a real bullet because it'll look like shit if it's a blank. So, they use a real bullet and they, they fired it off without any powder or anything. So, the bullet moved a little bit down the barrel of the gun. Well, they forgot to remove the bullet. Later on they do the scene where he is supposed to get shot the first time. They load the the extra powder for the blank and kaboom that sends the actual bullet through and it kills him. Ugh.
1: So terrible. It really
0: is. No uh. the actor that pulled the trigger, Michael Massey. He uh, quit acting for an entire year, uh, says that he has yet to see The Crow, and that he still has nightmares about what happened.
1: I mean, that's, I mean, it's terrible. It, it, officially, it's not his fault. I know that they said that even though there was a lawsuit against him and the filmmakers, it was settled out of court. But, like, even still, it, it's a total accident, but you're still going to have nightmares about it because there's still going to be that guilt, you know? And not to make a wrestling reference here, but it's kind of like how... Uh, even though D'Lo Brown is not at fault for what he's happened not to Draws, all saw that through the cup. Yeah, he's not at fault for what happened. He still feels guilty about it because he was involved with it. And even though Draws may not blame him, and maybe nobody truly blames him, he still feels guilty about it. He's and gotta
0: live the rest of his life knowing that. Yeah, that happened on his. For you, non-wrestling
1: fans, Draws was paralyzed. For those of you who don't understand what we're talking about.
0: Yeah, he was going to do a running powerballer movie, does every match, no problem. Yep, but no some, problem. Some fan threw a cup in there, and he slipped on it, and he landed him right on his head, and, and he's been paralyzed since, and that yeah, was... so that... 1999?
1: 99, yeah. 99 or 2000 is when that happened.
0: So 16 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So they, uh, and... And, to make matters worse, he wasn't supposed to get shot in that scene, it was not in the script... It was added right before it happened.
1: Yeah, that that's just freaking heartbreaking.
0: There's, like, so many people that are like, oh, shit, it's my fault. No, it's my fault. Like, everyone is like... Because there's a thing about the prop guy versus the arms guy and who handled what, and there's all kinds of stuff going on in there. It's just... Uh, comb... It's just... A uh, series of unfortunate events. Yeah.
1: It, re- it really is. That's what it comes down to. Um, but, I mean, you know, eventually everybody just kind of moves on from it. And The Crow does have that stigma about it. And I get it. And it, it, it's never going to go away. But y- you got to watch it now, you know over 20 years later. Watch it now. Don't think about how that happened. Just enjoy it for what it is, and you'll really find a great movie out of it. Now, if you fixate too much on how good <laughs> Brandon Lee is in the movie, and he really is very good, and you're just like, damn, I can't believe I'm never going to see him act again, you're just going to get suckered into depression because the movie does not exactly have anything uplifting about it. <laughs> so, don't get suckered into that. <laughs>
0: Not really, but the word is that because of all this, they have uh, significantly changed the way scenes are filmed that have gun use, so... Yes. um, You know, it's not officially said that, oh, because of what happened in The Crow, these are the new rules, but... Shortly after, there became new rules, so... Yes. Uh, Okay, a quick couple of uh, things that are, like, uh, womp-womps. In the beginning of the movie... The guy says that Lake Erie caught on fire one time because all the crap in there. It was actually the Cuyahoga River that actually caught fire IRLs, not Lake Erie. Yes. So, womp womp.
1: Not like they would really know the difference, but that river does flow into Lake Erie, so... You're, you're at least in the right, like, <laughs> right part of the country geographically.
0: <laughs>
1: Give him that much credit, damn.
0: <laughs> and... And police car number 48 is damaged when it collides with Skank's car, but then later in the movie, it's there again.
1: <laughs> womp womp. Oh, it's just the police car, nobody will notice that, except that I would notice that and be like, what are they doing?
0: Because there's a huge 48 on the hood and the roof?
1: <laughs> the thing is, like, <laughs> as somebody who went to broadcasting school and has a real passion for films, like... Continuity is a big thing I'm a stickler for, and I'm sure projects I've done are missing some continuity, but like, come
0: on guys, try harder. Give me a break. And then my last fact is that when they first started putting the movie together, the studio wanted it to be a musical starring Michael Jackson. Yes, yes, I love that stat, and they're just like, this is the worst
1: idea ever. We're not doing this. <laughs>
0: And then, like, the writer was like, LOL, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, when did they... Who came on board? Wasn't it um, Alex Preas and, uh, and Brandon Lee came on board, and they're just like, yeah, no, now the movie's serial. <laughs> this movie's super serial, guys.
0: What are you trying to do?
1: <laughs> Musical? About Michael Jack. No. N- n- no. No. Um, cool facts, though about how they got around the death of brandon lee was this was a uh, cutting edge technology they were using at the time but they used some cgi shots to actually digitally insert his face on scenes where they had to use a body double like when he actually uh, falls from the window that was mm-hmm. shot after that scene and uh <clears throat> so they did use a body double and did the digital the digital face swapping which is fun because that's actually something they did in Jurassic Park, which came out the year prior, when um, Lex's stunt double looks up when she's falling from the ceiling and the raptor's below her. She actually looked up, so they're like, well, shit. What do we do now? Do we reshoot the scene, or do we just put her face on it?
0: And hey, let's just put her face on it. Technology's awesome. Put your face on her face. I mean, we built these dinosaurs. Why can't we swap faces?
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool also, here.
0: this is like also the scene where Sarah shows up in the apartment, and he comes back and talks to her. That's not him. That's why you never see his face in that scene. Right.
1: I wonder if he like recorded lines though, or. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Linda Lee Cadwell, who was the widow of Bruce Lee and the mother of Brandon Lee, got three million dollars out of court, or the tune of three million, out of court for what happened over here and she actually she did the the negligence case was actually filed against the producer which was Edward R Pressman as well as Michael Massey and 12 other defendants I mean it's a lot of people to take responsibility for this but <sighs> it is what it is um Eric Draven could have potentially been played by Johnny Depp, River Phoenix or Christian Slater Which means that probably would have been the actor who got killed. So, think about that, guys.
0: Imagine if River Phoenix got killed before he got killed. Yeah. Also, Cameron Diaz was
1: actually offered the role of Shelley, but she turned it down because she did not like the script. (laughs)
0: LOL. You're in two scenes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of flashbacks, but yeah. Um... Cool fact, to keep uh, to keep his makeup actually looking weathered, Brandon Lee applied it himself before he would go to bed, and then that's how he shot all the scenes for the next day. Because he just didn't like the way they were applying the makeup. So he's like, well, how about I do this? At night, before I go to sleep, I'll put it on myself, so when I wake up, it's already disheveled, and we'll shoot it like that. And that's actually a cool way to get around that. So... Good for him for being proactive. But that's really a lot of the cool facts and everything about the movie. There's really not much else to say. Um, It is based on a comic. I've never actually read the comic. I'm sure some of the people that are listening have read it, and that's cool. Uh, Let us know what your thoughts are when this actually goes up. But we actually have a couple of thoughts about the movie that we can read off to you guys. And I'll start off with Jason Shin, as he was the... uh, Really the main person who suggested it to us, even though a lot of people, when I posted we were watching it, a lot of people hit that like button and then didn't comment, so grr to all of you.
0: I even they, said go and comment, yeah. you
1: jerks. go comment, you jerks. <laughs> Three, actually four different people commented, and that's fine. Um, first of all, Shin actually has a tattoo of the crow symbol which says, real love is forever. So that says, Crow-inspired tattoo. So it is is one of his favorite movies of all time. And he said, back before he became jaded on his ideas of romantic love and relationships, he felt connected to this movie on an emotional level. Because there's that whole story about coming back from the dead to avenge the murder of your girlfriend, and there's nothing more romantic than that. That's a nice morbid way of looking at that, so <laughs> that's great. There's nothing more romantic than that. No, you know, not, you know, being with her while she's alive or anything. It's all about coming back from the dead to avenge her. But I get what you're going at, dude. I'm just play making fun here. Um he actually connected to a past girlfriend of his through the Crow, and she gave him an Eric Draven Collector's Edition action figure still in the box that she just kinda had floating around. Um he did say they are planning on doing a reboot at some point this year. Curious to see if they were able to keep in the movie. And he also says, I hope the lead actor doesn't die unexpectedly. Well, that would be nice. Um, he said he actually hasn't seen the sequels or the TV, but he has seen the TV series, which he thought was pretty good, even though it got cancelled after the first season. Um, all the sequels are on Netflix, but apparently a lot of them are very hated, so he was going to watch them to see if they deserve to be that hated. And
0: they're all all—they're all at, like, 50%. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I
1: haven't seen any of those sequels, so I... Really couldn't tell you. Um, Matthew Anderson, our Australian listener, he points out that The Crow is very dark and brooding in such a 90s way, but it never gets old. And I can see that. I mean, I think this movie aged pretty well. It's got that 90s feel to it, but you can just look at it, you know, it, as a film that you can go back and be like, oh, yeah, this is representing the 90s. So I kind of get what you're saying with that. Um, Scott Glazier, friend of mine from broadcasting school, hopeful wrestling promoter, says that the chilling history of the film and Brandon's unfortunate murder is still morbidly fascinating. Uh, I do agree with that, and that's what's kind of creepy about it. He said he watched it on TBS for the first time ever years upon years ago. Yeah, kind of like I did. He probably... Thinks he watched it back in two thousand three, but it was actually ninety seven. Yeah, they played uh,
0: it on TBS and
1: TNT all the time. Yeah, So the first thing that struck him was the immensely atmospheric soundtrack by none other
0: than. Oh yeah, Gra- we didn't mention that soundtrack. Yeah,
1: awesome. Yeah, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. Is that Graham? It's a weird way of spelling it. Uh, he calls it a roller coaster of emotion, and still to this day, one of his favorite films of all time. And then uh, my buddy from Maine, Matthew McFarland. Also known as Matt Awesome, because he is totally as you guys. He says the Crow is a movie he saw after he read the comic, so maybe he'll be he'll have some insight for us. He was 11 years old. He goes, shame on my parents. <laughs> <laughs> but he loves the revenge storyline, and he does hope they don't botch the reboot. So those are your comments about the Crow from you guys that are listening. Um, overall, big thumbs up from me. Would watch again. Agreed. Yes. Um, Definitely a movie. I don't have this movie in my collection, but I would certainly add it. We did watch it on Netflix, so I don't need to have it in my collection right now, but, yeah, it's it's a movie I would probably put up there. So, good, good on you, Jason Shin, for that recommendation.
0: And, uh, Dan, what's coming next? Well, in the month of February, it will be known as Feb... Mel brooks in yes. the most for, yes. forced non-pun of all time. Yes, Over we might as well just brooks call Brooksuary. Mel, Mel
1: Brooks-uary, yes. So what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to line up some Mel Brooks films to watch. And uh, this actually might be an annual Mel Brooks-uary thing, depending on how this goes. There's enough but, of uh, them. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, there are.
1: There really are. We could do that for a few years. But we're going to start off with the producers, and that's going to be next week's movie. Um and that would be the original producers, yes, not with, the reboots.
0: With, with Zero and and Gene. Yes. Because we're, we're best friends. <laughs> of course. But um,
1: I have not seen the reboot. I don't know if I want to.
0: Maybe. I mean, the Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick are good, so I don't... Yeah, uh, and they were they were they were doing the Broadway show and stuff too. So you know, yes, um, you never know. this
1: is another movie that I have not seen in a long time, and I definitely have not seen all of it. It's one of those movies where it's like, hey, look, a Mel Brooks movie is on TNT. Let's watch it.
0: Producers is one of the Mel Brooks movies I have not seen. So
1: this is gonna be fun for you then.
0: And it is on the Netflix, so you can Netflix it. Yes,
1: all you guys that want to watch it, um, you got a week to watch the producers. Um, We don't exactly have a set schedule for this, but we're sticking with the early films, so I believe we have in queue for the the four weeks. We're also going to do Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, and History of the World Part 1, I believe, are the
0: the movies yes, we agreed on
1: we'll tell you when each one is yeah we'll we'll tell you which one's coming next uh it'll either be blazing saddles or young frankenstein next but they actually came out the same year so i don't know i don't know which one we're going to watch next maybe we'll, we'll figure Bitcoin, it out. i don't know Yeah, <laughs> maybe but uh, it will definitely be the producers and it will be the 1967 version of the producers so that is the one that you need to watch if you want to watch it with us we're going to get out of the 90s you guys after this being like an all-90s movie podcast, we're going back to the 60s. Yes,
0: yes. So, yes, again, that is the original version of The Producers. Next week, uh, you have any final <laughs> things you want to tell the children? Um, if,
1: if any of you kids got The Crow as a comic, shame on your parents. That's a really funny line. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, no. Uh, Mel Brooks is one of the comedic geniuses of all time, like the one of the greatest. So, I'm really looking forward to watching some Mel Brooks movies and just just having a laugh.
0: All the way back when he was writing for Sid Caesar and and yeah. our show shows and all that kind of stuff. So, yes, uh yes. that is what's going on. We actually have exciting news coming, but I don't want to. Uh, don't be uh, don't, that yet. Don't don't
1: be that guy who hypes something that doesn't happen. Don't be that guy. <laughs>
0: don't so that
1: happens enough that That happens enough in wrestling we don't have to bring this over to our movie podcast
0: so yes so we will see you next
1: week yes we'll talk it on the talkie next week
0: bye
1: peace